3: Follow the money on V the sports betting network. Mitch Moss, along with Matt Humans, filling in today for Paulie Howard. Uh, live as always downtown Las Vegas, Circa Resort Casino is your spot. Here is a quick outline of what's uh, on the program today, Wednesdays. It uh, means Jeff Seely is going to join the program. Great uh, handicapping golf. We'll talk about the uh, Paul Meadow Championship with him coming up in an hour, But an hour and forty-five minutes from right now. Dennis Bernstein. From the fourth period.com on the NHL playoffs. Brian Mahoney, NBA, a lot to go over with him in two hours. And Johnny Avello, who is the sportsbook director at DraftKings, coming up back end of the show today. It is, I mean, we have a lot to recap from last night, Matt. I mean, a lot. I mean, Jokic winning the MVP, what took place in the NHL last night, the Golden Knights coming back from not only two games down to lead now 3 2, but 2 nothing last night in the game in the third period to win. 3-2 in overtime, which was, I mean, now they have a stranglehold on the series, and I can't believe I'm saying that. And how the Clippers, I mean, the, look, the Jazz are raced at 13-point lead almost right away in the third quarter. But it feels to me like that was a wasted spot last night for the Clippers.
4: Yeah, there's always two ways you can spin it. I think uh, I'll spin it towards the Utah side because if you're down 13 at the half and Mike Conley is not playing, uh, you th- you're probably not going to win that game. And I, I know that Jonathan Von Tobel of uh, v was trying to spin it towards the Clippers' direction last night. That, hey, this is a positive. Paul George shot poorly, you know, and all these things happen, and the Clips still lost by three. I think it's a real negative for the Clippers that you're up double digits on the road in game one. Mike Conley is not playing. You have to win that game. And the fact that the Clippers blew it, I think, is going to come back to haunt them in this series. And um, that's the way I look at it because – uh, I thought that was the game the Clippers had to get last night. You're up double digits at the, a half, and uh, one of the best players for Utah is in street clothes. You've got to win that game. Paul
3: George, four for 17. Here we go night. again Man. with this guy. I know. I know Morris was bad from downtown. I think he finished one of nine in the game last night. Uh, I, I would say this too. Like in the first half, Demarcus Cousins never even played in the openings around against Dallas. He's given you some, I would say, somewhat valuable minutes last night mm-hmm. on the floor. And that thirteen point lead turned into a ten point deficit with like uh, five minutes give or take in the fourth quarter. So that was a twenty three point swing, and like I said, I mean before you could blink that third quarter when it was underway, it was just a barrage by the Jazz and they got back in, in you know in front of the Clippers and they erased that's that's I mean a thirteen point lead at halftime in the NBA mat basically means nothing.
4: That doesn't mean much. But when you do have that lead, you gotta be able to hold on to it, especially when one of the other team's best players A point guard is not out there. And uh, like you said, there were some guys last night that didn't come through. When you look at uh, Morris shooting one for nine from three, Kawhi one for four from three, uh, Paul George four for 17 from the field, and really didn't get a whole lot from the bench aside from Luke Kennard. I know. That was pretty much it. He was like the secret weapon off the bench for the Clips last night. I still think it's going to be a long series. And uh, no surprise to me, Mitch, if these teams go seven games and we're watching... uh, You know, Game 7 in Salt Lake City in a week and a half. No,
3: I I won't be surprised at that at all. But like you said, I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good if you're the Jazz last night, all things considered, with no Mike Conley coming back and winning that game. So I'll give you some updated series. Donovan
4: Mitchell, by the way, a monster last night with 45 45. points. Huge game. uh, How about Jordan Clarkson? He was pretty clutch, too.
3: Yeah, back after this year on Follow the Money.
5: This is Brent Musburger, and here is your v Sin action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. Philadelphia's Joel Embiid with 40 points and 13 rebounds. to power of the 76ers to a 118-102 win over the Hawks as a six-and-a-half point favorite. That evens the series at one game each. Philadelphia opens as a two-point road favorite at Atlanta in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals on Friday. Today, the Phoenix Suns laying six against Denver in game two of their Western Conference semifinal series. Islanders look to close out their series today with the Boston Bruins. Islander is $1.22 favorite of the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. As Boston lays $1.32 as a road favorite, the total five shaded to the oak. Be sure to check out our new betting splits feature on vcin.com. Before you place your next bet every day, we're posting the latest splits for games, the current odds, and what percentage of bets and money being placed on each game. Go to VSIN.com and check out the betting splits plus live odds, line moves, and game analysis makes VSIN.com the best place to visit before your next bet. With your action update, I'm Mike Sena. Get the latest VSIN odds at VSIN.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. It's time to follow the money. With your hosts, Mitch Moss, and Polly Howard.
3: There's a new feature on the website, which is vcin.com. Every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game. Check this info daily to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games to help you find a betting edge. And of course, we have all the odds, data, and analysis for every game as well. Start your next sports bet at vsin. So the Clippers up by 13 last night. I'm not going to say they blew the game, but, you know, uh, that was wiped away, and the 13-point lead vanished in a few minutes the way it felt in the third quarter. Jazz take Game 1. Now at DraftKings, Matt, the Jazz are minus 225 to win the series, bumped up from, uh, you know, various spots who had $1.20 anywhere to higher than that when the series first opened up a couple of days back, and... The 76ers now, and you bet them at minus 130 after the game one loss, mm-hmm. they're minus 250 to yeah. win the series.
4: Yeah, how good was Joel Embiid nope. last night? This guy's got a meniscus tear in his knee, and he's unstoppable. He just drops 40 on your head and uh, with no problem. I thought the – finally what I was waiting to see, Trey Young comes back down to earth last night. Uh-huh. And uh, I kept waiting for it to happen in the Knicks series. It never happened. And uh, the Sixers found a better way to defend him last night. He just missed some shots, which is going to happen occasionally. And Trey Young finally had an off night. Uh, despite that, the Sixers actually had a lead. I think 78 to 77. Before uh, the Hawks had a lead, 78-77. Before the Sixers went on a big run to finish off the game, but Trey Young one for seven from three last night, and uh, the Hawks 11 for 30 as a team, 37%. So. Good good bounce-back spot. This is why a lot of people like to bet the zigzag yep. uh, theories in the NBA playoffs. The better team loses game one at home, comes back in game two, and rolls by 16 points. So those are the type of angles you're looking to bet in the playoffs.
3: Amazing what, what happens when Doc Rivers <clears throat> actually decides to put a guy like uh, oh. Fibel on Trey Young. I don't oh, yeah. know what he was thinking in game one. I've,
4: I don't know about you, but I've seen enough of Danny Green.
3: Yeah. I mean, look at Milton last night, the minutes he gave him. And he scored 14 points. Uh, yeah, Danny Green's been alone. Jake for-
4: Milton played 14 minutes. Danny Green played 26. I really don't. At this point in his career, I'm not sure Danny Green deserves to get 26 minutes a game. I that think is- he, I think he's more of a 15 minutes per game type of player. You got to play Matisse Steibel. You got to play Milton. Guys like that a little bit more. Yep. But you know, veteran coaches like Doc Rivers are always hesitant. Uh, they they love the veterans. You know, they feel safe with playing the veterans more minutes. Play the young guys who are more talented. And uh, you got to do something. You got to do a better job on Trey Young, and finally, the Sixers did last yeah. night.
3: Well, when you have a defensive stopper like that on your roster, yeah. you that's need why to. Why you fight. drafted him? Of course, that's exactly right. I mean, his role is is it is what it is with this guy, and I hate that saying, but he goes down there. He's supposed to be able to <laughs> you know neutralize or slow down or you know pr- uh, provide some resistance to the other team's best player. And the matchup there is like kind of favors him with his length and stuff against a smaller Trey Young.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And by the way, I said this yesterday. I just. Young's game is obviously really, really good. I really don't trust him, though, from, from deep right now. He's too inconsistent for me to keep, yeah. you know, to shoot. I well, said it, that...
4: He it fires up some bad shots. He really so, does, yeah.
3: Matt. And by the way, he thinks that he has parking lot range I know. when he does not. Well, He believes
4: he's Stephen Curry. That's
3: exactly what he thinks. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. He's no- still a
4: young player, and he's developing, and uh, he's learning, and he's, like you said, I, I that's one thing I didn't like about Trey Young coming out of college. I said he was too small and slight, and he plays no defense, and he his shot selection stinks. He fires up a lot of, you know, 30-footers, off-balance, thinks he can make everything. But, hey, you know, he's he's been pretty damn successful in his first couple of years, so I can't knock him too much. No, no, I mean, but, he's
3: still yeah. ultra young. I mean, what he's going to develop into is going to be incredible, and once he, you know, develops that stroke, which is a little bit more consistent, uh, he'll he'll be basically unstoppable at that point. Uh, Barkley said this last night on the pregame. Joel Embiid's not going to matter in the series. And he explained himself, because everybody's like, "Well, what do you mean? And, and Barkley said he had 39 in game one. Mm-hmm. They didn't win the game. And he said, Embiid is going to do whatever he wants in the series, but he can't win it by himself. Like, he sure. needs other players on. Like, Ben Simmons had four points last night, seven assists.
4: Well, in a sense, what Barkley said's right, but he, he sure. just didn't phrase it the right way, because, yes, Embiid does matter quite a bit in the series. Yeah, yeah. What he just, I mean... What the, he uh, meant to say was... The difference in the series is going to be the Sixers having other guys step up uh, consistently to help win games. Like how about Seth Curry last night, five for yeah. six from three? Uh, he was huge. Ben Simmons and Danny Green basically disappeared, so you needed uh, Harris and uh, Curry to step up, and uh, they finally did last night. But Ben Simmons is going to have to do more in this series if the Sixers are going to win it.
3: Oh, uh, definitely. And then you know, against wow. against the Nets. Bucks winner, and assuming that's going to be the Nets here for the sake of this segment, Simmons is going to have to be much better than that. Has to be.
4: Oh, he's got to have to be a lot better. You know, if Curry can knock down threes like that, I think the Sixers have to like their chances. And if you get into a series with the Nets, I've said this so many times, I'm tired of hearing myself say it. But the Nets have no rim protector. They don't have anyone who can no. handle Embiid, and that's the one matchup that the Philadelphia can take advantage of. Is Embiid could probably do anything he wants around the basket against Brooklyn.
3: That's what Giannis should be doing in this series, dominating down low. Um, and I thought that, you know, Giannis and Lopez had a chance to score every time down low in the first game. And then we saw what happened in game two when they got completely uh, run out of the gym. By the way, total side note, has nothing to do with like betting or anything like that. But I do feel like kind of happy for Seth Curry yeah. that he's turning into this kind of a player yeah. because that would kind of suck when you are in the league around the same time as your brother and his name is Steph Curry. And like the entire world recognizes him and knows how great he is, mm-hmm. and here you are, kind of as a guy who could have been in the league just because of your name. But he's he's turned into a pretty decent player and a reliable guy that can you know fill a spot on the roster and uh, deserves minutes and could be a three point threat.
4: There's no doubt about it. You know he he's known as Stephen Curry's little brother. Absolutely, probably he getting is. a shot just because his older brother is so good. Uh huh. And but he's he's obviously worked very hard on this game. You can tell. Of. Uh, just by the improvements he's made, even since he's been in Dallas, uh, I think I think Seth Curry's turned into a legit uh, difference maker. And last night, yeah, that's yeah. what he was last night for the Sixers. I was, you know, while we're praising him, I think he really—it's time for to take a really close look at Ben Simmons and his game. I'm talking about how Seth Curry's worked on his. What is Ben Simmons doing? Is he doing anything to work on his offensive game? It's embarrassing how bad he is if he's shooting the ball outside of 10 feet. Uh, I mean...
3: What, what, what's he doing? We can we can look at all the videos, and he can post as much as, yeah. as he wants on social media during the off season. I don't trust him for a second. I really
4: don't. He missed both the free throws he attempted last night.
3: Can he make a shot outside 15 feet? I think he attempted 10 three-pointers on the year, yeah. and he was 3 of 10.
4: Well, I mean, I could hit 3 of 10. I eat fast food every day and drink a lot of beer and whiskey.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so you can try it out there. Give me an open look. I'll knock it down (laughs) once in a while. I mean, it's just, in 2021, to have essentially, I mean, not going to say zero offensive game Mm because he's good, like, as a distributor and as a point forward, whatever, but in terms of shooting, can you not, like, create your own shot? Okay, I get it. Like, if you're not good from 15 feet and beyond – how do you not, like, take advantage of mismatches and, like, he, you have great ball-handling skills. Mm-hmm. Go down low. Post him up. You're going to have, like, a six four guy on you sometimes or a six two guy. You need to realize that at that time and then exploit that and get to the rack, do whatever. But here's the deal, though, too. If he does that and draws fouls and goes to the free-throw line, it's a coin flip. can't make free throws.
4: Yeah. That's the thing about Simmons. If, if he could develop a three-point shot and defenders actually had to come out and respect him away from the basket, that makes his... Uh, dribble drive to the rim game even more lethal. Yep, yep. And I said the same thing about the Greek Freak. I don't know if it's in his best interest or the Bucks' best interest for him to be firing up threes. Yeah. But if that guy could, if he could ever develop a really good three-point shot, he would be unguardable, kind of like Kevin Durant. Because if you had to come out and defend him yeah. from distance, let's say at 25 feet, uh, the, the Freak's the type of guy who can drive around anybody and dunk. Yep. Right? and can score anytime he wants, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be a really good three point shooter. I'm not sure that Ben Simmons is either at this point, but he's going to have to play better in this series. And if Trey Young has off games like this, it's going to be bad news for the Hawks.
3: Yep, totally agree. Um, Nikola Jokic was named the NBA MVP yesterday. I saw tickets from back in December or the preseason, Matt, of uh, as high as 36 to 1 yesterday that were getting cashed. And they got it right. Like, look, I mean, a lot of things had to happen this year. I think in order for voters to, voters to give him the award. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, LeBron had to get hurt. Embiid had to miss a bunch of games. Um, Curry, you know, Warriors had to finish in eighth eighth place overall before the uh, play-in games. Uh, I thought Curry had a good, you know, argument, obviously, to win that award. But overall, when it was all said and done, you look at his overall numbers. I mean, you pretty much had to give it to, to Joker this year. Yeah,
4: if you did the hidden resume trick, Yes. Right, and yep. just uh, compared the numbers and didn't know what the names were, and you looked at it, you would say, oh, it's clear, this guy is the MVP, and that's... Joke
3: 91 first place votes. Curry got five, and you see that uh, second place really wasn't even close here. It was uh, the Joker with an overwhelming amount of the first place votes overall, and he I'm, had the 10th highest per in NBA history player efficiency rating. I saw that, yeah. Longest odds to win the MVP. Good tweet from David Bierman, ESPN last 15 years. Uh, he saw Joker at uh, 25 to 1. Like I said, I, I noticed 36 to 1. Rose twenty-five to one in twenty eleven, Curry fifteen to one in twenty fifteen, and James Harden eleven to one in twenty eighteen. I do have a problem with this, and I had no idea that this was a thing. But look at that voting. I mean, there's clearly, Matt, one thing that jumps out to you, and that is Derek Rose received a first place vote. Awesome story, right? The fact that he got a first place vote is laughable, obviously. And then you're thinking immediately your reaction goes to, well, that voter needs to, you know, step aside <laughs> and never vote on this award ever again. It was not that voter. And then, you know, moments after the voting came out and you saw all of these numbers, I saw Mark Stein, New York Times, who tweeted out, the first place vote for Derrick Rose was a uh, cumulative, cumulative, can't say the word, uh, fan vote for the MVP award rather than a media member, according to league spokesman Tim okay. Frank. So okay. there was a fan vote?
4: All right. First of all, the fan vote is completely pointless and idiotic. Yes, it is. A fan vote's worth, what, 10 points? Look at that, yeah. Out of all the points possible in the MVP, which is around, uh, what, about 3,000? What's it look like there? About 3,000 total points in the fan yeah, vote? That's,
3: yeah, in the range of 3,000, yeah. 2,500 to 3,000. Yeah.
4: And the fan vote is worth 10 points. But it's all about the fans, Mitch. You want to get the fans involved and give them a voice. Uh, so what we like Knicks fans stuff the ballot box? Yeah, how about or, that? Or whatever they do to get uh, ten points in a first place vote for Derrick Rose. Anyway, uh, when you looked at the, and one thing about the MVP that annoys the hell out of me is that when you watch these uh, debate shows, whether it's on Fox or ESPN, it seems like every day for three months, one of the topic topics, uh, hot topics was who's going to be NBA MVP. You know, in one week, it was LeBron. I know, oh, man. Next week, it's James Harden. Yes, That's the freak, and it just goes on and on and on, and none of those guys end up winning it, and it's uh, Jokic who really runs away with it. Joel Embiid, if he could stay healthy, uh, he's got a shot. I I like Stephen Curry. I thought he was making a hell of a run. Yep. And uh, you could make a really strong case for uh, Steph Curry to win MVP, but he finishes third. LeBron's injury, um, you know, ruined his chances, and same thing with James Harden. Those are two guys who, at one point, I thought were moving into the driver's seat to win MVP. Yeah. Then went down with injuries. They're wiped out. And Jokic takes advantage, and he wins it.
3: I thought Chris Paul had a pretty good... Uh, Chris
4: Paul had a great run. No and, doubt. Uh, if you look at the future, I still think uh, Damian Lillard some days got to get some MVP consideration. He, yeah. But Luka is the next guy. And w- when you put odds up next season, NBA MVP... What's Luca gonna be? Second choice, third choice. I don't think you're gonna find much value in those numbers anymore. Anyway. This guy is gonna be the MVP eventually. You
3: know yeah, I mean? at some point, it he seems will like be. it's gonna happen sooner than later. I think he was a shortest shot this year at four to one when the season started. Yeah. but I had Harden at one point at seventy-five to one Ooh. on a ticket, and if he I mean, doesn't
4: get answered. He's got a real shot. To
3: win. I, th- I thought he had a great chance. Absolutely, if he doesn't go down and uh, has that injury problem, I think that that ticket might actually get cash. But again. Uh, Joker was phenomenal, and you're right. I mean, at some point, like, during the season, I just said, like, off the air to Paul, I'm like, we can't talk about the MVP anymore. I mean, it's just every day there's somebody getting hurt. Now we're going to say, well, what about this guy? And then what about that guy? And then here we go with another one. It's like, I got MVP fatigue overall, and uh, so that was that, but, I mean, the, again... Russell
4: Westbrook? The triple-double king gets only one vote, one third-place vote,
3: and that's it. Yeah. Tell you what, I mean, coming up with the uh, all NBA teams this year, specifically for the backcourt, you could only have six guards because they still do it by position, I believe. Does Westbrook make top three? Top three uh, teams? I don't know. I mean, Chris, who, who's first team all I would NBA? Say, I,
4: would say, I mean, if I, on my teams? No. It would not be on my first three
3: teams. Like, is it is it Chris Paul and Curry on the first team, or is it uh, Lillard and Curry?
4: I would put Lillard and Curry, Chris Paul on the second team. Second team? John, how about Luka? Luca,
3: yeah, yeah, where does he fall? I mean, it's absolutely loaded. And then um, on Friday on the show, Adam Hill was sitting in with me, and uh, he covers the Golden Knights here in town. We kicked around the idea of the Golden Knights at that point. They were plus 540, plus 560 to win the series. And we said, look, if they can win one game here, it totally flips. And you can now grab the Avalanche around $3 at some spots because of what happened last night and the Golden Knights won again. Isn't that something? It is
4: something. That was a hell of a game last night. Uh, like you mentioned at the top of the show, Golden Knights were down 2-0 two, in the series. A lot of people wrote them off for dead, uh-huh. right? And uh, they were down 2 nothing last night in Game 5, and I'm sure a lot of people wrote them off for dead because um, Colorado was really playing well last night, had a two-goal lead in the third period on home ice, and you think the Avalanche not going to blow that game. That's a huge series-turning win last night in Stormy. Bon Anthony, who is uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, we'll call it sideline reporter, tweeted this yesterday about Game 5 winners in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, The team that wins Game 5 goes on to win the series 79% of the time.
3: Wow. Pretty strong. Up next, a prominent national football writer threw out a unique idea for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Is it silly or logical? We'll explain coming up. Live today from the OddTrader.com studio here at Circa Resort and Casino, Trader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info that you need. Real-time bet tracking. You can compare sportsbook sign-up bonuses at OddsTrader.com. We'll run down what uh, Peter King wrote about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers' ongoing situation. Um, his idea mm-hmm. for the reigning MVP. What do you think of this, Matt? Basically, the idea from Peter is tell Rodgers that you're going to let, you know, figure out something to do next offseason. You will trade him. He can give you some teams that he would be okay with going to in exchange for coming out and giving the Packers one more year this season. Is this something that would be, you know, and he said, keep it quiet. You pull him aside. You get Mark Murphy. Uh, there's right? That's a problem. Yeah,
4: you can't keep a plan like that quiet. It's impossible. How, how are you going to keep that plan quiet? I,
3: are they going to pinky swear on it? Yeah. You don't tell anybody. Aaron, Aaron, I promise. I'm not going to tell anybody. Don't tell
4: anybody. We're not going to tell anybody. You just play one more year for us, then we're going to trade you. Yeah. I think this is one of the worst things Peter King's written. You're that strong on it? Oh yeah. I thought it sucked. I, I read it and uh, I said, "Come on, man. This is something that like a uh, high school newspaper columnist would write." Here's the perfect way to salvage the relationship uh-huh. between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Now, this is a this is really lame, and uh, it's unfortunate that Peter King even floated that out there. And for a guy who's covered the NFL this many years, you have to know this is completely unrealistic.
3: Oh, this will I mean, it will never happen. No, no. I just I'd like to I'd like to be a fly in the wall between these meetings. If the the Packers were like, you know what, I read Peter King. <laughs> I like this idea. Let's run this by Aaron Rodgers. Let's see what Aaron thinks. Yeah, sure. Aaron,
4: how about one more year here in Green Bay? We don't tell anybody else what's going on. Then we promise to trade you. <laughs> now, this, this is uh, totally ridiculous. And, uh, yes, I think in a perfect world or if you live in a fantasy world, you could say, yeah, something like this could work. Ideally, the Packers do want to de- develop Jordan Love one more year. Yeah. And uh, then they would be okay, with, you know, in twenty twenty two going forward with Love as a franchise quarterback. That's why you drafted him, right? Yep. Uh But Aaron Rodgers wants to. He, he doesn't want any anything to do with these clowns now. He wants out, and uh, he's not going to. I don't think he's going to play along with. He
3: would never play along with something like this. No, there's no chance that Rodgers would agree. Nice to idea that. by Peter King, but it's never going to happen. See, this is a this tweet makes sense. Andrew Brandt, who was with the Packers for a long time, including. Those uh, the years with Favre and Rodgers when they eventually transitioned from one to the other. He said the Packers will never admit it, but they they would be fine with Aaron skipping mini camps and maybe some training camp. When Favre stayed in Mississippi in those off seasons, we got to see Aaron run the team in the off season. Great evaluation period. The Packers now do the same with Love. And I, just, I have to throw this in there. This is uh, from Rob Domofsky yesterday because I like how people freak out when they hear about reports of oh, this this quarterback threw two ints or he looked great in OTAs and uh, minicamp. Uh, Jordan's love first crack of the two minute drill that they've seen uh, barely gets past midfield and ends with him skying a pass over wide open Malik Taylor's head on fourth and seven from the plus forty six yard
4: line. He's not ready to play, and if. Love is the starting quarterback for the Packers in week one. If it looks like that's going to happen, you you want to pound the Packers'
3: win total under. And you said that you saw 11 on the Packers. There's a book a year in town with 11 on Green Bay. Yeah, DraftKings opened 10 and a half.
4: Caesars William Hill opened 11 for a Packers' win total. I'm not sure if that's still up as of today, but I will tell you that uh, with the Packers' first-place schedule, you know, I've talked about their schedule here. Uh, we talked about it last week. You look at that, even with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, I think the Packers are going to have a tough time winning 10 games. I would agree. Uh, with Jordan Law, the quarterback, are they going to win five or six? Uh, so, uh, I would think you'd have to look under the win total. But it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be quite a while until we know what the resolution to this Rodgers situation is going to be. Uh, the Packers don't have to rush into anything. They don't want to trade him. Uh, Rogers is going. Obviously, was going to skip this mini camp. There was never a chance he was going to show up. Yeah, no, no prayer. And uh, it's probably going to be August before we figure out what what happens, or maybe uh, you know sometime in late July before uh, something happens. So
3: look at that stretch from week seven. Through the entire schedule. Oh, well, the entire schedule. But I, I, I'll cherry pick here for a second because yeah. I don't want to say like, well, you, you can start in week. Oh my God. Find a soft yeah, spot right. on
4: that schedule. Maybe a home game against the Lions. That's about yeah.
3: it. Let me just pick out the middle portion yeah. for a second. The, like the six games before their bye week, because their bye week comes late in Week 13. They get Washington at the Cardinals, at the Chiefs, Seattle at the Vikings, and the Rams. <laughs> Man. And that's, by the way, that starts after back-to-back games against the Bengals and the Bears on the road.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And I didn't even mention, Ty, I, I, you're right. Where's the weak spot in the schedule? Lions in Week 2 of yes, Field. That's, that's it.
4: Shit. I think that's it. Yeah.
3: And their win total would be, I think you're right, if Love's the quarterback, how do books adjust? Maybe go 6? Uh, we definitely need a change in this sport, but we're skipping the idea of 6 or 8? We're going to go straight to 12? Really?
4: All right, don't wait days for your winnings. Cash out instantly with BetRiver's fantastic feature, Rush Pay. Get your cash when you want it at BetRiver's Sportsbook, the industry leader with exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the most in-play betting options out there. As always, get $250 in a match bonus, fastest payouts, and only one-time playthrough at BetRiver's, your hometown sportsbook. This offer is valid in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Bet BetRivers Sportsbook. Visit BetRivers.com.
3: Matt, I think most people like who check in and watch or listen to v Sin. I think most hosts here on the network feel pretty much the same way about college football and the playoff system. Uh-huh. Like, we want it expanded. There are you know a handful of people that either like the four, never want to see it go beyond four, or they would actually prefer to go back to no playoff system.
4: Think about how long it took just to get to the BCS with the two with the two teams.
3: Incredible. That, we, that people had to wait this long to That's actually get a farce. true championship. I mean, I've argued before, many years ago, that we've never had a real champion. Until the playoff actually got here in yep. college football, it was all made up. It was all mythical. Yeah,
4: if you're voting for a champion, you don't really have a true champion.
3: Yep. So this story came out yesterday. Pete Thamel did a good job of uh, writing about it. Then Pat Forty did a story on it as well. So evidently, the powers that be uh, have had multiple discussions on this now for a long time, mm-hmm. and they just they want to skip the idea of going to six teams, eight teams. They want to go right to twelve. Okay. That,
4: that's the idea. I thought when the first time I saw this, I said, well, "How do you pick out the number 12?
3: Yeah. So four teams get buys? So here's how the framework would go right now, starting with the at-large bids. In the current four-team college football playoff model, all four teams are at-large, as you know. In a majority of the eight-team models that have been projected, there'd likely be either five or six automatic bids. That means a decrease in the at-large bids, which would not be much, uh, imagine this, which would not be much interest to the SEC or even Notre Dame which could perceive the expanded playoff as having less access. The Pac-12 and the entire group of five-to-counter would likely not be interested in expansion without some type of automatic bids. Another stay, a snag that makes them uncomfortable with uh, eight teams is who's going to get left out. If there are six automatic bids, for example, a team ranked number four, number five, could theoretically be left out for a team ranked number 18, and they would make the field. So he writes that the issues are complex. It comes down to enough stakeholders who prefer to stay at four, because of the advantage it gives them uh, overgrowing to eight. Um, the 12-team version, Matt, would answer a lot of the immediate looming issues about college football. The lack of diversity of programs, access to Group of Five, and the erosion of the importance of supposed top-tier bowl games outside the college football playoff thanks to playoff opt-outs. How would 12 work? The basic thought is automatic bids for, the, for all five major conferences, which also juices up their league title games as play-in games, and one for the highest-ranked Group of Five champion, the other six spots would be at-large bids. Okay. That gives automatic bids to some of the have-nots and more potential spots for the more powerful leagues, and compromise is important in a vote where consensus is needed. Can
4: you read that last sentence? It gives more potential spots to have-nots? Yes. Uh, in addition to what?
3: That gives automatic bids to some of the have-nots and mm-hmm. more potential spots for the more meaningful leagues yeah. and a compromise... Uh, is important in a vote where consensus is needed. How many of those spots you really think you're going to go to have-nots? One out one. of 12. Maybe one. One out of 12. Yep, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You can get your Boise State in there. You can get uh, your Cincinnati or maybe your Coastal Carolina. You're not getting both.
4: You're not going to get three of them. At best, you will get two on, in some years, two of the ten teams. It's, just, it's a way to get more power conference teams into a playoff and uh, generate more money. I've said along for a long time. I think eight is plenty. Uh, I think we should have been at an eight-team playoff a long time many, ago. Many, many years ago. Yeah. And the fact that these bozos have to have meetings all the time to talk about different scenarios, and uh, they probably charge all the expensive dinners to the company uh, account. Yep. Uh, yeah, okay. It doesn't take that long to figure it out. You could have had an eight-team playoff figured out 20 years ago. There's a lot of politics and BS and... I'm not sure if you need 12, Mitch. So 12- I, think, I think eight's plenty, and the bowl systems still meaningful. To, you know, teams, fans, players love to go to bowl games. Uh, I love the bowl season. I love to bet the bowl games. Sure. Uh, it's great for TV, right? Every day of the week and over the holidays, you got yeah. bowl games on TV. Just because you have a playoff doesn't render the other bowl games meaningless.
3: Yeah, you can still have a Wednesday right. bowl game on December 21st at noon. Pacific time, and guess what? People are going to watch, and a lot of people are going to bet on that game.
4: Yeah, every year you're going to see a columnist or a a talk show host guy say, well, you have two games that mean something and 38 games that mean nothing. Obviously, that guy's an idiot because all those other games mean something in terms of uh, drawing eyes to the TV sets and bettors to those games. Uh, it's not just about who's going to win the playoff. There's a lot more. The, these these bowl games mean a lot more to the the conferences, the uh, the programs that are involved. Bowl games mean a lot to coaches, players, fans, everybody involved. And uh, you know we're t- we're on a betting show. Bowl games mean a lot uh, from a betting perspective when you're talking about the holidays. Of season. course, bookmakers love more bowl games. Bettors love more bowl games. More is better when you uh, when you I mean- have more games on TV that you can uh, bet
3: on. These games do mean something. It's not just about the playoff. I mean, for us, I mean, right? On this network alone, yeah. it gives us from that stretch, I mean, well, it basically gives us six weeks, or five, around five weeks, five and a half weeks or so, starting with the, the matchups that are unveiled in early December, mm-hmm. right? And then the lead-up, and when the lines are released like that day, and then, okay, now we have like a week to talk about these games or two weeks, and then right. once the games actually start... I love the bowl season. You get like four or five on that first day, which is... I think typically been a Saturday. Uh-huh. Uh, and then after that, you get a couple here, a couple there, two on Tuesday night, one on Wednesday, then you get four on Friday, whatever. It's like, okay, this is phenomenal. It's awesome. You tell me you don't
4: love it when you wake up on a Thursday and say, hey, look, we got four bowl games that we can bet on today. Yep. Uh, bet on and watch today. Everybody gets in a bowl game pool, kind of like an sure, NCAA sure. tournament pool. So it's not like those games are meaningless. But, uh, you know, if, if you want to set up a 12-team playoff, that's fine with me. I'm not going to complain. It's, it's better than the current system, but I do think eight teams would be enough.
3: Now, I never saw this in the story. I'm guessing the top four teams then would get a buy, and then the other eight teams that would if make you're it. you're
4: putting it, out a 12-team bracket, four teams have to get a buy. They, they have, have to. to
3: and yet, the five, again, what's that going to be like when the five big boys, the Power Five, get automatic bids? Uh-huh. Can you imagine the fighting for the top four oh, spots? Oh, it's
4: just going to be the same thing. Of course, it's it will the be. Same debates about, yep. "How can you leave this team out?" Blah blah blah. But that, that's that's going to be the same argument until the end of time.
3: I'm like you, by the way. Um, you know what? I don't even hate the idea of six, right. but eight, eight is the nuts. Eight's incredible, but they just kind of want to like, nah, skip. We're going to skip eight. We're, I think
4: I saw. We're, we're going to pretend the more have-nots are going to get in the playoffs. Yeah. But it's actually just going
3: to be more power counts. A throwback segment to last summer during the pandemic. Ask Matt, how many more titles will they win now that their coach will be around for almost another decade? Join the action on DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Download the app. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up to compete for cash prizes each and every week. Don't wait. Sign up now. And new customers get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code VSIN when you sign up. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, the number is 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, the number is 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You must be 18 years or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. More details we did this a lot last year uh during the summer and in the pandemic ask matt as uh you were sitting in with us for like uh you know three days a week at least and we were all doing it basically from remote locations
2: mm-hmm.
3: the strange strange year is over with been back now in studio here for a long time uh so we'll ask you matt a bunch of uh, odd questions let's start with this what's more likely and you can go based on odds if you would like, or you can just go on what you think is more likely to happen here. The Giants win the National League West. They're okay. currently around 13 to 1. Or the Yankees miss the playoffs. That was like plus $6 before the season started.
4: Right, and you have expanded playoffs, so it's kind of tough for the Yankees to miss the playoffs. But I'm going to go that direction because I think the Yankees get serious problems offensively. Right now, they're 27th in the league in runs per game at about 3.7. Only teams worse are the Mets, the Tigers, and the Pirates. Oh, wow. If you think about it, so the Yankees do have some issues offensively. You got a lot of guys not hitting. Even DJ LeMahieu is not hitting. And um, Luke Voigt's been out. Last year, if you think about 2020, LeMahieu was the MLB batting average leader uh-huh. at, uh, I think, 364. And Luke Voigt led all of the major leagues in home runs with 22. Right now, Hughes batting about two fifty-five, and Luke Voigt has one home run. He's played only 12 games. Those were the Yankees' offensive leaders. Right now, Aaron Judge is trying to carry this offense. Who knows where Gary Sanchez is? He homered last night in the Yankees' win, but he's kind of been in no man's land in terms of almost losing the catching job. Uh, So I think the Yankees have some serious deficiencies offensively, and when you look at that division, Mitch, Right now, the Rays and the Red Sox are a lot better than the Yankees. Agreed. Uh, I'm not sure if the Giants can hold off the Padres and the Dodgers to win the West, uh, but the Giants are—they're not going to—I don't think they're going to go away and disappear. Uh, So, it's a tough call, but I think there's a decent chance the Giants can hold on. I'm not going to—let's put it this way—I'm not going to be really surprised that the Yankees miss the playoffs. I'm, I'm not. And I also think Aaron Boone's on the hot seat, by but the way. If that
3: happens, I mean.
4: I think he's on the hot seat right now. Yeah, and I think Brian Cashman should be as well. Uh, but, yeah, if the Yankees miss the playoffs, you're
3: right. Boone is out. Probably gone. Would you rather lose every bet you make at the U.S. Open next week or have Patrick Reed and Sergio Garcia battle it out in a playoff? Oh,
4: are you serious? Reed? Fat Pat and Sergio in a playoff? Yeah. You know I'm not going to go with that option.
3: So you'd rather lose every? Well, first of all, if those
4: guys are in a playoff, I'm probably going to lose most of my bets anyway, <laughs> right? okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. So I'd rather lose every bet. I'm going to be at Torrey Pines next week in San Diego for the U.S. Open. I've got tickets to go out and walk the course. Do you think I want to see? look up at the leaderboard and see Fat Pat and Sergio? At the... Nah. That's not what would
3: it take for you're you to You're going to have
4: weeks when you bet golf, you're going to have weeks where you just get wiped out and none of, of course. Players
3: perform. Right.
4: I'd rather have that happen than see those two guys in a playoff. What
3: would it take for you to bet Patrick Reed? Like
4: 50 to 1? I've never placed a bet on him. No. Never?
3: No. And you won't? Never will. I can't stand the guy. Sever- I'll give you 75 Not- to 1 odds for the USO. They're
4: going to make a deal with the devil, which just wouldn't do it. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> which one? By you- the way, Jeff Seeley, who's going to be on with us in about 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Jeff was this close to winning the DraftKings Millie Maker uh, a few weeks ago. The one guy who really let him down on his team was Fat Pat. And I said, Jeff, that's what you get man when
3: you make a deal with the devil. Mm -hmm. Would you rather be able to continue eating fast food whenever you want for the rest of your life and get married or give up eating fast food forever? Well,
4: uh, the last... Part of that sentence is not an option. <laughs> how could I stop eating fast food? I would what? die.
3: Because I can't cook. Seriously. Maybe, I, that's, maybe your wife would cook every meal at home?
4: Um, okay, how about I continue to eat fast food and I get married, but I can get married when I'm like 80-something years old.
3: Is that the deal? This can is I, the Aaron Rodgers type of deal? Can I do that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Can I make that
3: stipulation? Married like the last year of 80, your life?
4: In you're 80, you don't give a damn anyway, right? At that point, you might as well You find a 30-year-old wife.
3: <clears throat> so there's no chance, that under any huh? circumstance, you're going to give up fast food? No, that
4: would never happen. Zero.
3: I can't wait. We're what, what, we about Zero. six weeks away from the new Fast Food Power Rankings? It's going to be late July. Late July, okay. I did get
4: a uh, – now, you sent out a tweet last night about Waffle House. I
3: did,
4: yeah. And Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain, who committed suicide three years ago. That was really a bizarre situation. Ah, yeah. uh, but he 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 put out a really, a, eloquent essay <laughs> on uh, Waffle House. Yes. And uh, I've always been a big fan of Waffle House, but I, I rank Denny's a little bit better. Uh, I rank Denny's higher. I love Denny's. One of my favorite things about America is that Denny's is uh, open, always open. Never close. Wherever you go in this country, you're probably going to be able to find a Denny's and it's always open. But... Um, I had a guy send me a message on Twitter after I responded to your comment and said I ranked Denny's better than uh, higher than Waffle House. He's like, take away his fast food credentials. He doesn't know anything. That's one thing I love about the fast food debates. Sure. Everybody has different opinions. And if you disagree with their rankings, they think, oh, you're an idiot. Of you don't course. know anything about ranking food. Uh, i would like to see this guy's top 10 fast food restaurants and let's tear his top 10 apart it looks like late july is going to be the, the fast food top 50.
3: okay uh, i'm excited
4: version number two
3: i can't wait by the way uh i, I think a, a spot that gets lost in the shuffle and it was brought up last night on twitter i'm i used to love perkins so did tiger woods yeah well that's true perkins had a hot waitress yeah yeah they, they were steamy They're not all all over the country, though. That's that's a problem. Right. And neither are Waffle Houses, though, either. That's more of a Southern thing. You know, Waffle House, I think, used
4: to be more prevalent across the country. You can find them everywhere. But now, yeah, it's more Midwest and South, I believe. The last time I was actually at a Waffle House was after a UNLV New Mexico basketball game in Albuquerque. They've got one of those old-school Waffle Houses. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, right there on the kind of like the main drag in Albuquerque.
3: Alabama coach Nick Saban agreed to a contract extension through 2028, 2029, uh, eight more years. He'll be 77 years old. How many titles will Bama win between now and then?
4: Did you take this off ESPN and "You know, this was a hot take"? Conference. I'm sure so they. A...
3: I'm sure they spent all day on it, but yeah. I didn't watch any. I, I, I have no idea. I happened to have the TV on. I had the sound off,
4: and I looked up and said, "How many more titles will Nick Saban win at Alabama?" And it was mike greenberg looking real serious on one side of the screen and paul feinbaum on the other so you're greenberg
3: i'm feinbaum oh god no okay let's not no under no circumstances i'm gonna give
4: you two i'll say nick saban wins two more and i think a lot of people would say over two but that's uh it's it's diff- i think one title every four years for saban at this age in alabama is realistic yeah, you've got Clemson, Ohio State, plenty of other powerhouses to deal with. I think Texas is going to be on the rise. Uh, Georgia, right there in the SEC. Of course, Georgia, Florida. Uh, I, I I mean, that's an incredible achievement, if you think about it, to win one title every four years. And we, we were like, that's Wait it? a second. Huh? That's it? Only He's two? only going to win two in eight years? Yeah. I, I'll go two for Saban in the next eight.
3: The reason why I thought about this, actually, is because, uh, well, the Westgate, they do this occasionally. They'll put up, like, long-term bets. Oh, yeah. They have, like, how many more majors will Tiger Woods win. Mm -hmm. Like they've had that up for a long time. They have how many will Kepka win by the age of, uh, what is it, 50? 40? I think 40. 40? Yeah, probably 40. 40. That makes more sense. And then how many, after Patrick Mahomes signed that long extension with the Chiefs, they put put up how many more Super Bowls will the Chiefs win. And this was after they won the first one against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. So that one did not count. And they put up one and a half, I believe. And if you got that one last year... And if you bet the over on that, you'd be sitting kind of pretty at this point, you would think. But now he's got to knock out two more. And I think that's also easier said than done, Matt. Where people just assume that Patrick Mahomes is going to win all these titles over the next, you know, seven, eight, hey, 10 years. And I'd be like, I'm not so
4: sure. No, you're right. Because if you retire as a three time Super Bowl champion as a quarterback, that's, uh, that's a lot. What's Ben Roth's? Big Ben's got two? Two, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, one each. Yeah. Drew Brees, one. Peyton Manning, two. Yeah, if you're a three-time Super Bowl champion, that puts you in elite uh, company. Obviously, we could look back someday and say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in NFL history just based on talent. He's not necessarily going to be the most accomplished. Sure, Tom Brady is going to be the most accomplished quarterback, and that's why I, I was making that case last week talking about Coach K at Duke. He's the most accomplished coach in college basketball history. There's sure. no debate, but he's not the best coach. Mm-hmm. He's just the most accomplished. He's been uh, fortunate to uh, rack up a lot of wins and titles, but if you talk to anybody who knows basketball, and watches X's and O's, it, you would not—you wouldn't rank Coach K in your top twenty-five right
3: now. A lot of people think he's been, you know, terrible as like an X's and O's kind of guy for a long, long time. Right. They never bought into it. Like he gets the most talent, that's why he wins.
4: But so. yeah, if Patrick Mahomes can win two more Super Bowls, I think that's uh, that's actually a big deal to be a three-time Super Bowl champion. I was trying to look up your. Uh, Brooks Kepka prop on uh, how many majors will Kepka win? That's yeah. up at the Westgate Superbook. I actually don't see it on the app right now.
3: Okay. So much.
5: All
4: right. I think it was by the age of forty, but
3: that makes more sense. If you're because, gonna make those yeah.
4: bets, for people who are gonna make those long range bets, you know, how many Super Bowls will Mahomes win, how many majors will Tiger or Kepka win? You're probably only betting the plus, right? Yeah. It's mostly going to be a bunch of small money tickets on Absolutely. the plus because you got to wait years and years to cash those tickets. Long, it's long really time. Going to play
3: those. I think Indy Jeff actually bet Kepka could go over. I think it was like seven and a half for his career, but he loves Kepka. He does love Kepka. I wonder if he loves Kepka this week. Indy Jeff's going to join us coming up in about 10 does he minutes.
4: Does love Kepka more than Waffle House?
3: Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, So before we get to Jeff, a quick betting recap of last night's action, and we'll update you on uh, some current series prices in the NHL and NBA playoffs moving forward. Coming up next.
1: Zumo Play.